I'm so excited to teach you today. Are you ready to receive? So I'm going to give you a warning. This, this message has a lot of content in it. I have approximately 35 scriptures to share with you today. I will never apologize for giving you more than enough Bible. Amen? You will need to take notes. You will not remember everything. And I believe God is going to bless this message. You may run out of ink in your pen, so we provided a secondary backup pen at your seat in case you need a backup pen. Come on, somebody. You excited about that? Amen. Hey, now that'll, make, now that'll be revival right there. We'll be here at about 6 o'clock tonight if he gets going with me. There's a lot of content. I am going to ask you to help me to deliver this. I, I'd like to give it to you in its entirety. I'm going to do my best. It's a teaching today. It's not so much a preach as it is a teaching. I want to talk to you today about authority over the devil. Somebody get excited about that. Amen. And it's in my heart to bring you through a systematic line of thinking. And so I'm going to do my best to get it all uh, out the way God has given it to me. But I need you to help me do this. I need you to be responsive. Can you be responsive today? Amen. I believe there's been a lot of just oppression in people's lives that I've witnessed lately. Maria addressed it a little bit in the service when she first started. And you talk to different people and there's been a heaviness, there's been this divisiveness, there's been attacks and things like that going on. And what I want to help us see is Life After the Cross is the series we're in. And one of the things that we have after salvation is you have been given authority over the devil, authority over this, these attacks that the devil pushes people around, but it's time for the body of Christ to push back. Somebody say amen. I used this door last week in talking about the life after the cross, and it was as if the cross sometimes we don't realize, that's the beginning, the entrance into our faith in Christ. But there's this whole household of faith with all kinds of provision, all kinds of inheritance, all kinds of access that you have. And one of the things through this door of the cross is authority. Say authority. Authority. If you just think Christianity is about forgiveness of sins and going to heaven, you're going to miss everything beyond that door. The cross is the beginning of a thing. The cross doesn't just accomplish forgiveness. You have become a child of God. You have received great and precious promises. You have been given authority and responsibility to use that authority. Amen? So let's start talking about it today. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, authority of the believer over the devil. If you have the or Calvary Orlando app, you'll, my, a lot of my notes will be on there today because I knew we had a lot of content, and so I do help you out there. But it's easy for you to write some of your own thoughts in your notebooks. I don't want you just to look at the notes we provide. I want you to write your own notes in your notebooks. 1 John chapter 3, have you found it yet? Verse 8, the Bible tells us here, talking about overcoming sin. When people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning from the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. You can say, you can say amen. That's okay to say amen today. I told you I need your help today. Come on. To destroy the works of the devil. Now, that could be the singular work in the Garden of Eden, and that can also be the individual works throughout individuals' lives and our lives, those attacks and that spiritual warfare that we have. But Jesus came to destroy those works of the devil. But it is important to know that the devil is at work. And Jesus came to give you authority, access, ability to overcome it. The works of the devil. You might ask, isn't that just super spiritual fiction that the church came up with in order to scare people into obedience? You've seen that before. You hear people make those comments. Oh, you know, the devil. That's just something the church made up in order to get people to do what they want. I just want to challenge you today that the concept of the devil, the reality of the devil, isn't something the church came up with. It's something that's a reality. Jesus talked about the devil. The apostle Paul talks about the devil. Peter talks about the devil. Job in the Old Testament talks about the devil. Moses even mentions the devil way back in Genesis, the devil's been around, and he's been known as a reality throughout Scripture. 
It's not something that the church has just created a few years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and we kind of got together maybe a couple hundred years after that time and said, we need to come up with this fictional character called the devil. All throughout the writings of Scripture, which are thousands of years old, the reality of this adversary has been there. What does the Bible say about the devil? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. You were following the ways of this world, influenced by this present age, in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience, the unbelieving who fight against the purposes of God. The Bible is telling us here in Ephesians there is a devil, a prince of the power of the air that is at work. Are you understanding this? That everything that's going on isn't just natural, isn't just the obvious order of things, but there is a spiritual realm. There is an opposition. There is an adversary that is trying to interrupt, that is trying to distract, that is trying to intimidate. It's one of the biggest Weapons the devil tries to use is the idea of intimidation. To get the body of Christ to step back, to get the body of Christ to not realize who they are, to get you to be so guilty and full of shame that you won't stand up against him as the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. We see that there is real interaction, where the devil really is doing stuff, especially in the fallen world, especially before we knew Jesus. You praise God for the door. Praise God for access into a new life where you're not being pushed around by the devil and he no longer has authority over you. You've come out of his darkness and you've gone in through that door of the cross, through that door of salvation, into the marvelous light. Amen. You're protected. Amen. You have authority, amen. No matter what he does out here, praise God, you and your family have shelter, amen. You've come out of him, out of his world, out of his ways, and you've come into the ways of a new family, into the ways of a new kingdom, amen. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. Let's talk about Jesus' authority over the devil. Jesus' authority over the devil. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. Say authority. That's what we're talking about today, the authority of the believer. You have authority, just like Jesus. You are the body of Christ. Quite unlike the teachers of religious law, Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet. Come out of the man. I love that. You know, you don't have to sit there and have a whole big, long conversation with the devil. Come on now. He just released his authority. The devil had to be quiet and leave. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It, is, it has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. Isn't that awesome? Jesus and his authority over the devil. I love how he silenced the enemy, rebuked the enemy. The enemy had nothing to say in front of him and had to do what it was that he told him to do. Go away. Be cast out. Leave. That's great. Jesus' authority over the devil. Mark chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. Let's talk about a little more of his Jesus' authority examples. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so that the crowd would not crush him. He healed many people that day so that all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. The devil knows who Jesus is. They recognize his authority. Amen. 
Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Say all authority. I want you to see that in Jesus, he has all authority in heaven and earth. There's no God greater. There's no spirit, no demon greater. Amen? So even if the world looks like it's super dark and it looks like the prince of the power of the air and Satan, the God of this world, is so tough and is so strong and it speaks words of intimidation over the body of Christ, all power, all authority is Jesus's. Come on now. The devil is a liar. Somebody say, the devil is a liar. He will, he will try to get you to agree that he has more authority than he has and that he's an intimidator. That's all he has. He, only can, he, he can only roar because he's been spoiled by Jesus. I want you to see that because when you watch TV, you watch movies, you hear the media and the way they talk about the church and what they speak, it almost sounds like they have more authority. But you are the salt. You are the light. You're the city on the hill. Are you understanding? You're the temple of God. You're the body of Christ. And all those things you didn't earn, those are things he placed you in, and he gave you that authority. I want to help us see that there is a devil. There is a demonic realm. There is spiritual warfare. That everything that is happening is not just human beings messing around and causing stuff. And if we're not aware of these things, we start battling in the flesh, and we forget how to battle and we forget how to use that authority. We even forget to use that authority. You're getting pushed around every day. Things get stolen. There's distractions coming. There's um, strategies of the enemy being put in place to stop you, trip you up. And you're so trying to figure it out in the natural. You're so trying to put the pieces together and make a plan. And there's nothing wrong with doing the best you can. But sometimes we have to be made aware that maybe there's more to this than just you making a plan. Maybe there's some spiritual warfare that needs to happen. Maybe there's some prayer and some, some release of the authority in the name of Jesus that needs to be presented. Are you understanding this? Jesus came, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all I command, the, all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always. So the one with all power and all authority is with you always, even to the end of the age. We say, well, Pastor Kevin, that's Jesus. Obviously, Jesus has authority. Well, let's look at what's called delegated authority, where we see even in the life of Jesus how he gave his authority to others and how they operated in his authority, and the devil still had to listen. Come on. Don't push this off on, oh, that's just Jesus, you know, and the devil knows who Jesus is. I'm telling you, when you've given your life to Jesus, there's no longer slave nor free Jew nor Gentile, male or female, you are one in Christ. That when the devil sees you, he sees the blood of Jesus. When he sees you, he sees the body of Christ. Delegated authority, Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20. When the 72, say 72, disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, basically see, behold, understand what's already been done. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. He gave it to the 72. It's not just Jesus. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Isn't that a great phrase, especially when you put it back to the original prophecy back in Genesis chapter 3, where it said Jesus' heel would crush the devil's head. Here Jesus is telling the 72, your heel will crush the devil's head. Why? Because you're in him. He's fulfilling the prophecy through his body, which is you. Are you receiving this? 
Nothing will injure you, but do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So he's basically saying, don't get all caught up in like the demon side of Christianity, but rather that your name is registered in heaven. You are a child of God. That's what we really get excited about. But one of the advantages of being brought into the household of God, one of the advantages, one of the things we must be made aware of is not that you're just forgiven and you become a child of God, but you've also been given authority over the devil, authority over his devices and his schemes. Mark chapter 16, he said, well, the 72, maybe we're not like the 72. Maybe Jesus was special. Maybe those 72 were special. Isn't it amazing how we're always trying to have reasons of why we don't have something? Well, it's Jesus. Oh, it's just the 72. Well, first of all, those 72 are normal human beings just like me and you. There's nothing super special about them. They had a job to do, and Jesus delegated his authority upon them to do the job he called them to do. Not in their might, but in his might. But then you can go to Mark chapter 16, verse 17 through 18. These these miraculous signs shall accompany those who believe. How many of you are a believer? Raise your hand. These miraculous signs shall accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Just like the 72. Just like Jesus. Why? Because you have authority over the devil. Amen. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak with new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink any poisonous thing, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and the sick will be healed. That's the authority of a believer. Amen. The authority of the believer doesn't come from the believer. It comes from Christ, who's in the believer, and who the believer is in. That's it? That's all you're going to do right there? I mean, at this point, I would have thought there would have been, like, shouts, maybe some dancing. Come on, some handkerchiefs. Not even one handkerchief has gone up yet. I've given you notebooks. If I start giving you hankies. Listen, church, we have stuff to be excited about. I'm telling you, I'm watching your faces coming in and out of church, and I see too much oppression. I see too much downcast. I know the devil's been messing things up in people's businesses, in their bodies, in their marriages, in their families, and I'm trying to awaken you today that you have the authority to put your foot on the devil's head and to crush it and to say, stop. Get your hand off my kids. Get your hand off my business. Get your hand off my physical body. The world wants to bring you down to some natural thing. There is a spirit side to everything, to this life. And not everything can be figured out with degrees and education. I'm not discounting that. We love education. We love degrees. But we are tempted to lean on that stuff and forget there is an adversary. There is an adversary, but you don't have to be afraid that there's an adversary because he's been defeated. But you have to be made aware of who you are. You have to be made aware of what's in the house. Amen. Let's keep going. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. The apostles were performing many miracles and signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly in the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women as a result of the apostles' work. Sick, the, uh, work. Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might even fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed of evil spirits, and they were all healed. I want you to see Peter is a believer just like you. Amen. And look at the authority that he walked in, that even when he walked into a room, there was an anointing. You could say a shadow. You might think it's not. I don't think it's the shadow so much. I think there's an anointing. There's a, a presence that walks in the room with the body of Christ. And you don't see it because it's in the unseen. But I'm here to tell you, when you walk into a board meeting, when you walk into a business meeting, when you walk into that classroom, teachers, by the way, this week, I believe, is Teacher Appreciation Week. Would you give all of our teachers an appreciation? We appreciate you, teachers. (laughs) 
But do you hear this? When you walk in the room, there is a presence of God. There is an authority, a sphere of influence you bring with you. Don't walk in there intimidated. Don't walk in there like you're this lowly thing. You're the salt. You're the light. You're the body of Christ. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a child of God. Come on. Because you set your expectation. Especially if you walk into a room that you know is hostile, hostile towards God, you know, anti-God. It doesn't matter how many of them are waged against God. Because all power, all authority, all of it has been given to Jesus, and you represent the body of Christ in that moment. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. You're starting to get it. It's good. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 through 12, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles where handkerchiefs and aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed upon sick people and they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Now, I'm not trying to create a theology where you're sending out blankets of prayer or like prayer cloths or whatever. I'm trying to help you see that, look, there's so much power and authority in your life. And the reason I brought out Paul there is he's not even one of the original 12 disciples, in case you had that in your head. Well, you know, Peter, he's one of the original 12. That's why he had special miracles. That's why he had special authority. Well, I bring you to the Apostle Paul, who wasn't one of the special 12. Are you following me? You're like, but yeah, but he's Paul. Would you stop? He was, he was just a guy come on, that was anti-God that got saved. He wasn't the Apostle Paul until he became the Apostle Paul. He was outside the, the cool bubble of the first 12, if that's where your boundaries go, or the first 72. Are you hearing this? Now he's the Apostle Paul. Well, what about you? Maybe one day people say, well, well that was Lisa Shaw. I can't ever be like Lisa Shaw. And you'd be like, no, Lisa Shaw is a child of God. And what God did through Lisa Shaw, God can do through you. Are you hearing this? Oh, oh you, that's because it's Pastor Kevin. Oh, that's because it's Billy Graham. Oh, that's, stop putting off who you are. Receive it by faith. Say, I am a child of God. I am a temple of the Spirit of God. All authority was given to Jesus. And his name is now my possession. I can use his name. Are you hearing this? Amen. This is really good preaching. Authority, power to resist the devil. We've been talking about authority to cast him out, to heal the sick, and all that kind of stuff, authority. But just the ability to resist. Say resist. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 12. A final word. This is Paul writing, be strong in the Lord. I love that you're always brought back to the reality that the strength is of the Lord. This is not your human strength. This is not your human effort. Be strong in the Lord. And you are in the Lord. Receive his strength. Say yes to his strength. Realize his strength is in you. You may not always feel strong. Being strong in the Lord doesn't mean you feel like but you're strong in the Lord. Amen? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Able to stand firm against, write down the word against the strategies of the devil. You have the ability to stand against the strategies of the devil. So don't just think it's casting out demons all the time. Sometimes your authority, sometimes your job and responsibility is to resist and stand against something the devil's doing to stop it. It's not just demon-possessed things. How about agendas that the devil has strategized against our schools? Agendas the devil has strategized against the family? Agendas the devil has strategized against your physical health or your personal finances or your marriage? We have the ability to stand against the strategies of the devil, to resist those strategies, to oppose those strategies and those schemes. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We say this often here. Your enemy is not human beings. Those are your brothers, those are your sisters. They are not your enemy. 
Amen. One day, by God's grace, they will all be a part of the family of God. They are not your enemy. There is something behind it that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That's why we're trying to help you see. There is an unseen world. And this isn't something the church just made up. This goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. The reality of this unseen world and of this adversary and of his plans and of his strategies against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's why it's important that we become people of prayer. Please say prayer. Because we're fighting some strategies. We're opposing and resisting some things from the enemy, and we release that authority in prayer. And we release that authority in multiple ways. But you have to become a person of prayer. Prayer over your kids. Prayer over your family. Prayer over your business. Prayer over the things that God has you doing in the community. James chapter 4, verse 7, talking about resisting, the ability to resist the devil. James chapter 4, verse 7, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Step one, humble yourself before God. Don't just try to resist the devil and think he's going to flee. May you live a life that's humbled before God in alignment with the Lord. Amen? That's a big deal because if you're out there doing whatever you want, you know, not, not taking care of living holiness in holiness. Now, I'm not saying you got to be perfect. Look, there's such a balance to these things. I'm not talking about being perfect, but look, there are people out there that are like, well, I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm, you know, he forgives me, and I'm just, it doesn't matter what I watch. It doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth. It doesn't matter if I do this with my body or that with my body. It doesn't matter what I do. It matters. You may have authority to resist the devil, but you're giving him so much permission in your life with your disobedience and with sin. Come on now. You're trying to push him out. You can't push him out one door, but yet you're opening another door. Unforgiveness, bitterness. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil. And I love the simplicity. He will flee from you. He will flee from you. You don't have to sit there. Spiritual warfare is not something you have to like physically do. I told you a real story one time where I saw, I caught a lady in worship, not here, in another church. And she's like, and I, I just went up to her and I said, what are you doing? She's like, I'm fighting the devil. And I'm like, no, you're not. This isn't fighting the devil. You fight the devil. I'll give you some steps on to fight the devil, but you fight the devil by resisting him. You fight the devil by releasing the authority of Christ. There's other ways to fight the devil. You don't do it in your own strength. Amen. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 9. Humble yourselves. There it is again. Under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor and give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Do you see you have the ability to resist him? You have the ability to stand firm against him. And be strong in your faith. Remember that your family and believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. I want you to feel this just for a second. I have the ability to say no to the devil. I have the ability to resist the devil. That's awesome. He does not have the ability to boss you around, bully you, push you around, steal, kill, destroy from you. Come on. In all of these languages, in all these verses, in all this language, you can stand strong, you can repose him, he has to flee from you. In this conversation, kind of goes back to what I said a second ago, do not give place or a foothold to him. Because here we are talking about submit to God, be humble before God, live for God, and then resist him. And the Bible gives us some other 
language here to help us see that we actually do, we actually can open a door or create a foothold for the devil to steal, kill, and destroy from our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. It's something we do consciously. Put it on. Truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Don't you love the simplicity of that? Don't you love this is talking to Christians? Come on. This is talking to the church of Ephesus. Stop telling lies. That was Paul's sermon today. Stop telling lies. Why? It's because here's these Christians that need to grow up in who they are in Jesus, and by telling lies, they're creating, they're being used of the enemy in each other's lives, and they're creating opportunity for the devil to mess with them, and he shouldn't have the ability to mess with them. But there is this sense of stop lying. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. It's not just like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm angry. I, they know, like they know I'm, you know, that I get like this or whatever. Do you understand the devil is stealing, killing, and destroying and using that anger to steal from your family, to steal from your life, to steal from your success. But you have the ability to resist the devil and you have the ability to put on the nature that we have in Christ and resist that temptation to be angry. God can free you from the anger. Somebody say amen. amen. Just like he can free you from sexual immorality, he can free you from anger outbursts. He can change your nature. You've been partakers of a new divine nature. Another foothold is unforgiveness. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 11. But one whom, one whom you forgive anything, I will also forgive, as the Apostle Paul talking. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did so for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken over us by Satan. That was the idea of if we don't forgive, if we stay in unforgiveness, an, an advantage would be taken over us by Satan. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. We've got to forgive this individual. We need to bring them back into the family. We need to help bring restoration of relationship because if we don't do this, the devil is going to take advantage of us by allowing that unforgiveness to remain. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. It's important that we pay attention. The devil has schemes and strategies, and one of his schemes is to get us into bitterness and unforgiveness. An offense, especially in the body of Christ. This is what Paul's talking about here. Because then he will take advantage of us as a body. And he'll steal from the body, and he'll steal from your life. He'll steal from that relationship that would have been healed and should have been healed, and he'll steal from your life, and he'll steal from the life of the body. Amen. Now, I want to clarify something when I talk about the devil's strategies and schemes and oppositions and things like that. Someone might think, is the devil omnipresent? Because you say, if the devil's bugging that family, how's the devil bugging me? Or how is he messing with this person? This Is the devil omnipresent? No, the devil is not omnipresent. But scripturally speaking, it, the Bible references the devil or Satan with his fallen kingdom and the evil spirits that are in, in that kingdom, the, the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so whatever strategies there are, it may not be the devil personally. You see what I'm saying? But I want you to be aware that it is still the kingdom of the enemy it is still the kingdom of the devil, amen? And you've been given authority over all the works of the devil. So what I'm trying to say is, when we use the language the devil's been attacking or the devil might be getting in that, it doesn't mean the devil personally. It means his kingdom and strategies are in there. Okay, so I just want to help you with that in case there's any concept of is the devil omnipresent? The devil's not omnipresent. But his strategies and his spiritual network is present. Let's talk about sickness and disease, bodily limitations, things like that. These are other things the devil creates or causes just to be made aware of. Luke chapter 13, verse 11 to 13. Can you take more of this? Are you okay? You guys okay? 
Luke 11, 13, or Luke 13, 11 through 13, now he, Jesus, was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. The Bible refers to this woman being having an infirmity and the infirmity being linked to a spirit, not just her physical body and the DNA and all the normal things that would be in this woman's physical body. This woman's oppression, the attack against her was spiritually induced and it was a strategy and infirmity by a spirit of infirmity. And it was on her for 18 years. She was bent over. She could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So this woman's infirmity was linked to a scheme, strategy, weapon, attack, whatever you want to say, of the devil. Here's another example. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 through 33. When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak, he was mute, but this mute uh, behavior was caused by a spirit, okay? A demon-possessed man who could not speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demon, and the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. Another example of being blind. This blindness was spiritually induced. This is physical infirmity. Now we're talking about a woman with spirit infirmity, a person that could not speak, and now a person that could not see. Matthew chapter 12, 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind, couldn't speak, was brought to Jesus. He was he healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowds were amazed. Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? So you see that demon possession that was upon him was robbing his vision, his vision. Matthew chapter 17, here's another example of the demon oppressing people physically. This person manifested seizures and had suicidal tendencies and thoughts. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to the disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus said, you faithless corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment on, the boy was well. So this boy's seizures and this boy's uh, attempts of personal harm, self-harm, and suicide were motivated by this spirit that was harassing and plaguing him. I want to say this in advance. We know that certain causes of epilepsy and seizures are not all spiritually induced. I am not saying that all sickness is a demon. If you get into that, there's all kinds of things that we know that certain sicknesses are because of our eating habits. Certain sicknesses can be generational makeup of our DNA. Certain things can be there physically that have nothing to do with the demon. But there are times where certain symptoms, certain ailments, certain sicknesses, certain manifestations are spiritually induced. So do what you can with your health. Go to the doctor with your health. But let's also consider the spiritual side of things and let's do it all. Amen. Amen. schemes of the devil that are not physical attacks to your bodies. Are you tracking with me? I'm not going to go through all these scriptures. I don't have time, but I'm going to read them to you and what they do just for you to see that not everything the devil does is, is a sickness issue or a physical body issue. There's other schemes and strategies and attacks. We've talked about unforgiveness. We've talked about a sin in our lives. But here's some other ways the devil attacks us that isn't a physical attack on our body. Luke chapter 8, verse 12. The Bible says in this verse that Satan comes and steals the word. So here I am preaching to you, and then all of a sudden you leave and something happens and you forget everything that God just was talking to you about. Do you understand? That can be the enemy trying to distract you from receiving from what God had for you today. The devil steals the word. Why? Because he's so scared of that word getting rooted in your heart because it will produce a harvest. So it's not always coincidence that every time you come to church or leave the church, you're always arguing as a family. Have you ever thought of that? That wouldn't be us, Pastor Kevin. I just read to you, stop lying to the believers. <laughs> stop lying. It is a lot of us coming and going from church, but we need to see it's a strategy of the devil. Or how about every time it's time for church, you get the overtime that you wanted at, at work. So you can never come to church because of overtime. Let me say something. You honor God with coming to church, being part of the body of Christ, he will multiply your finances some way. Some way. But that trick 
that attack to steal the word from getting into your heart where you never have time or you're always, something's going on to distract you, even in church, being distracted. The devil tries to steal the word. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, the Bible says the devil works in deception with lying spirits, things that will lie to you to draw your heart and mind away from God. You know, there's all kinds of lies in the world out there trying to make you think or believe certain things. There are spirits that are trying to deceive people to believing lies. It's not just the idea that lies are being given. There is an anointing to believe those lies, for your kids to believe those lies, for you to believe those lies. There's a spirit behind not just the lie, but the ability to be deceived by the lies. That's why you have to have the word of God in your heart to judge it all. 1 Timothy 3.6, pride is an attack and a scheme of the devil. Pride was the sin of the devil that got him kicked out of heaven. And we can be tempted to become proud, which is why the Bible so repeatedly says, humble yourself before God so that you're not tempted by pride, so you're not tempted by over-esteeming who you are or your influence and all that stuff. You're a servant, amen. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, sexual temptation. The Bible warns that husbands and wives need to come together frequently so they won't be tempted by the devil sexually outside their marriage. thought there'd be a bigger amen there. Some of you were like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say amen there. <laughs> John chapter 13, verse 2. Listen to this. You might not be aware of this, but one of the schemes of the devil, the devil can sow thoughts. The Bible says that the devil came in and sowed the thoughts in Judas to betray Jesus. Sowed thoughts. That can happen. That's why it's important that our thoughts are in alignment with the word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 17, 18. The Bible says, Paul says that Satan hindered them in their journey, in their ministry journey. Do you see Paul here? This is the Apostle Paul in the New Testament saying Satan and his schemes have been trying to stop the mission from going forward, trying to stop the missionaries from getting out there, trying to stop the word from going from city to city. Paul wasn't just saying, all oh, these people keep stopping it. He was saying, this is a strategy of the devil. The enemy is trying to prohibit the advancement of the word. But Paul knew what to do. He just kept going, man. But he wasn't unaware that it wasn't just circumstances. It wasn't just people being upset or angry. It wasn't just natural things. He was able to discern and see there is a, a, buffing, a buffering or a buffeting of the enemy against what we're trying to accomplish in the ministry. So we need to deal with it in the spirit, not just in the flesh. Dealing with the devil. Here we go. A couple thoughts on dealing with the devil. Number one, stay humble and submitted to God. Just keep it right there. Luke chapter 10, 20. I love what Jesus said in the beginning. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your name is registered in heaven. Let's stay humble before God and grateful before God. There's a whole lot of protection against the enemy by staying humble and grateful to God. You can even see it in the book of Jude, verses 8 through 10, where the Bible talks about people who mock the devil and they have kind of this arrogance about dealing with the devil. And, and the book of Jude, 8 through 10, basically says not even the angel Michael spoke anything of arrogance against the devil when arguing over the body of Moses. These people don't have any idea what they're arguing or making fun of or mocking. There was kind of this sense of like, you know, humility about it and, and, and sense of respect to the whole process. So we don't become arrogant, like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just this or I'm just that, or the devil is not a big deal or whatever. Like, I'm just saying there's this sense of humility we approach all these things with. This sense of humility before God and what we're doing when we are opposing and resisting and defeating the devil. We don't want to get into pride and we don't want to get into um, arrogance. So number one, stay humble and submit it to God. Number two, truth is your weapon. So stay humble and stay in truth, which is your word. Amen. Stay in the word, speak truth, and learn truth. Refuse to tell lies, keep your mouth from lies. Truth is your weapon. Another weapon in dealing with the devil is stand firm. It's Ephesians. 
After having done all to stand, the Bible says, stand. Why do I say that? Because there may be some time between when you begin resisting and when you feel the breakthrough. Stand firm. Let me put these words in your ear. Resolve. Consistency. Come on. The body of Christ, we need to get some resolve back. Some, some, some consistency in our resisting of the devil. Don't just resist him for a moment and then tomorrow cave. Like you draw the line in the sand and you say, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. We're standing upon this promise. Devil, you're the one that's going to move because I will not be moved. I stand upon the rock. Amen. And stay consistent. Consistent in being humble. Consistent in speaking truth. Consistent in doing what the word of God tells you to do. And you just stand firm. What I'm trying to say is sometimes the devil will test your resolve to see whether or not you, 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 to see whether or not you're serious. And so I just encourage you, one of your greatest weapons against the devil is just consistency. It's just resolve. Be like, no, even if it doesn't look like it's going to change, I am not going to change my posture. I trust God. I stand upon his word. I will stay in love. I will speak truth. I believe his promise. And I will wait on God. But I'm not going to change my confession. I'm not going to change my expectation or my belief. I resolve. That's a weapon. And then just remember that you have the ability to use the name of Jesus. The ability to use the name of Jesus. May you speak it. In the name of Jesus, devil, get out of my house. Get off my finances. Leave my children alone. I speak the name of Jesus in the classroom that you're the teacher over, and you take authority over that classroom, authority over that atmosphere. You walk in with that presence of God. Use the name of Jesus. Amen. When you pray for the sick, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Be healed. Be set free. Use the name of Jesus. Let it be on your lips, not just in worship songs, but as you enforce and you engage in that spiritual warfare, use the name of Jesus. And remember these last four things. Number one, the devil is a defeated enemy. The devil is a defeated enemy. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 41, the king will turn to those to his left and say, away with you, cursed ones into eternal fire, which was prepared for the devil and his demons. The end of the book, the devil gets thrown into that lake of fire forever. He is a defeated enemy. Amen. Hell wasn't prepared for you or me. It was prepared for him. The devil is a defeated enemy. Number two, we have been given authority over him, but we must enforce it. We have been given authority over him, but we must enforce it. Number three, we can and we must resist the devil. You don't have to go along with his schemes and devices. And then also number four, we are aware of his tricks. Not everything that happens is coincidence or normal events. Would you stand with me as we pray? Did you get anything out of that today? Go ahead, give God praise for his word, would you? Give him a good praise. Thank you, Jesus. He's freed you from the enemy. He's given you his name. He's given you authority. He's made you his body. You don't have to be pushed around by the enemy. Amen. Let me pray this into your heart. Heavenly Father, right now I pray this word into this congregation. That God, there's an awareness of spiritual weapons and warfare and things that are going on. Some of us have been walking through some really difficult times and circumstances. And Lord, I believe that some of that has been engineered by the enemy to distract, to wear out the saints, to get them fighting human beings rather than the real enemy. But God, today we make ourselves aware. Today we start using our authority and we say, devil, get your hands off. Get your hands off my finances. Get your hands off our physical bodies. Get your hands off our marriage, our children, and what's going on there. Devil, we rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. And right now we apply the name and blood of Jesus over these battles that have been going on. And we, we say, cease and desist. No weapon formed against you shall prosper in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that they are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We thank you, God 
The enemy is a defeated foe, and we resist him right now, and he must flee. Get his hands off our lives, our families, our businesses, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for victory, and we stand resolved in this. We will not be moved from our great expectation of what you've promised us. God, we give you thanks. We give you glory in advance for the victory. Come on, church. Give him glory in advance for the victory. We receive the victory. It has been won. The battle is the Lord's. You are victorious. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let me give you an opportunity this morning to give your hearts to Jesus. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that the wages, the penalties of our sin is death, separation from God. Hey, all day long we've been talking about if you're not in God's kingdom, you're in the devil's kingdom. Come up out of that darkness and into his light. Come through that door of the cross into this huge family, into this wonderful, great and precious promises inheritance God has for you today. The Bible tells us that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to give you an opportunity today to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. You may say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time that I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Let's do it today. Or you may say, I've been running away from God, and I would like to recommit myself to Jesus today. If that's you, I want to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have everyone bow your heads and close your eyes for the next, like, 30 seconds. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I want to commit my life to Jesus today for the first time or to recommit my life to Jesus. Right at your seat, just raise your hand, and we'll pray a prayer with you right where you are. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's call on them now. If that's you and you need to get right with Jesus, just raise your hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up? There's one hand, two hands. Anyone else today? Just put it up so I can see it. And we want to pray for you right at your seat. Anybody else? All right, let's pray for those two. There's third. Thank you. I see that there. Thank you. Thank you. Three. Let's all pray together. Even if I don't see it, God sees it. But let's pray definitely for the three and even those watching at home. Would you pray this prayer after me, church? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those three? Welcome home. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.